This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. Also airing on linedancerradio.com, which is line dancer, one word, hyphen, radio.com, of which we are proud to be two DJs on the team. Today we will be discussing more questions, conversation starters, good questions to ask from our giant list, and we will be starting where we left off. From question number 160, what was one of the most interesting concerts, which we could translate toward line dance events, you've been to? Oh, that's a tricky one. I've actually, if I'm going to go straight off concerts, I've been to a lot of concerts in my life, and I'm very fortunate to be able to say that. Um, I grew up in Sonoma County where we have the Petaluma Fairgrounds and the Sonoma County Fairgrounds, and they love to host fun um, artists during the summer during their fairs. And so I've seen tons of people like that. I've seen people um, at our, what's now been reverted back to the Luther Burbank Center for Performing Arts. Um, I've gone to NASCAR races where they've had people like Trisha Yearwood performing. Um, But I would have to say, if I'm going to go straight off concerts, the most interesting concert I've been to would probably have to double up as a line dance event, which would be Stagecoach. Um, It was, uh, it's a three-day festival with, gosh, I can't even tell you how many artists a day are performing. Um, And we were lucky enough last year to be invited as instructors. And so we were in the honky-tonk tent teaching line dance, dancing line dances, but also because we were a part of this event, we got passes to go see concerts. So I remember one point we were walking for food and we got, I got to stop and watch, uh, what was it? Um, uh, Tanya Tucker do what San Antonio stroll. And so we watched that for a moment and kind of had our, our yay Joe. And then a bucket list item for me has always been to see Garth Brooks in concert, and he was the headliner that year. So I stuck away for about an hour of the hip-hop version um, in the evening and went and saw him for a little bit and then made my way back to the line dancing tent. And I'd have to say that's the most interesting just because there was so many artists, so many people, so many dancers, so much food. I, that was insane how much food was there. Um, and it was just a, it was the first time I'd ever been to a festival like that. And so that was definitely probably the most interesting I've ever been to. Uh, two that come to mind for me are one, I believe it was maybe 2005 when Eagles came to Sonoma State University and played on the lawn uh, out in front of the Beaujolais dorms. Um, It's also the soccer field 
uh, I believe it's still currently the soccer field. This was before the Green Music Center was built. So they really had nowhere else to play that would house that many uh, attendees. And so it was all open air. And my dad and I sat in the fourth row. And since then, you know, Glenn Fry, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, uh, has passed. So it was really, I mean, for us, like once in a lifetime, like to have that good of uh, a seat center for the Eagles when all of them were playing. And it ended up you know, being early in my Sonoma State um, career, I guess you could say, my, my time there. So it really got things off on a, a good foot. I think it was around 2005-ish. Um, and it's funny because like, I, I, I definitely knew a lot of their songs from having listened to their uh, very best of album in high school. But there were even some solo songs that I I thought, oh, that's that's an interesting song. I don't remember this being an Eagles song. And then like later I would find out... like. Joe Walsh had a solo career. Don Henley had a solo career. I think Glenn Fry might have had something as well uh, in the set. And I guess you could say that was like my midpoint of, well, maybe like three quarters of the way through my Eagles journey as well. The other concert that came to mind was when I saw Arcade Fire, which I believe was also around 2005. Uh, I guess I must have just been more musical then as far as live music. And they were playing, I think it was at the Warfield in San Francisco, small venue. This is before, yes. this is before so much of their yeah. career took off. Funeral, I think, had just come out in 2004, maybe. Um, I had their EP. I think I, I might have actually bought their EP there, which was just like this little, it was a CD in a paper sleeve inside of a plastic sleeve. Um, the concert itself was great. I, I, I knew some of their music from having listened to a copy of Funeral that I think it might have even been a, like a burned copy or something. It was from my friend Byron um, in freshman year. And there were so many of their songs that I, I really enjoyed. Um, and that prepared me to be really hyped about going to the concert. But when I got there, it was they were still really small. So they fit all these people into the building. And... They played a lot of the stuff that I knew. For their encore, when the lights all dimmed and you could hear like a sustained note so you know not to leave, something's about to happen, um, they went around with like duffel bags full of flashlights and they handed them out to everyone and the, the songs they played for their encore were Power Out, which I think is like neighborhood number three. Um, and... Because they, they have a series like Neighborhood Number 1, Number 2, Number 3. So Neighborhood Number 3, I think, is Power Out. And we were all encouraged to wave the flashlights around while the house lights were off. Wow. So no cell phones? <laughs> no, this was this was in the, the early days. This was three years before the iPhone. Um, yeah, so we, we wouldn't have had our own flashlights. They just had like these big, heavy, like Home Depot-looking flashlights. And then after that, they played, I believe, uh, Un Anne Sans Lumière, which is A Year Without Light. Um, after the concert was over, they, again, being like just the starting up-and-coming band they were, hung out with us while people left 
wow, they just like left the concert because the concert was over while the entire band was there to interact with everyone. So all of them, as far as I recall, signed my my EP. So I, I don't think I have a hard copy of like their official first album funeral, uh, their LP. So I didn't get that signed, but I do have their EP signed. And one of the songs on their EP, I think they re-released on a second album. But I actually, I prefer the EP version. <laughs> it's the original. You hipster. You yeah. hipster. That's back when hipsters were still in their early <laughs> forms as well. I think that, that got to be a thing like 2008-ish, 2008 to 2010. So I was a hipster before it was cool to be a hipster. <laughs> So I was thinking as you were talking about it, like, I mean, there's so many concerts and every single concert has always been different for me. Um, and I mean, I'm such a music connoisseur. I love all kinds of music. I've got, like I said, I've been to tons of different ones. I've been, I've seen um, Sawyer Brown. I've seen, uh, gosh knows how many times. Um, I've seen Patty Loveless. I've seen Trisha Yearwood. I've seen Colin Ray, um, Garth Brooks. Obviously these are old old country names um i've seen like indie people like scissors for lefty which no one's like ever heard of um i've seen uh fallout boy and paramore in concert like two or three times i've seen muse which that was like oh my gosh the epic light show that muse put on i will never forget that that was so cool um i've seen oh gosh who else have i seen Obviously, all the people that I got to see at Stagecoach. Um, oh, I'm totally drawing a blank right now. Um, Paramore. Oh, I'm trying to think what their name is. Oh, Metric. Nobody's ever heard of Metric either. I was obsessed with them when I worked for the mu- movie and music store that I, I worked at. Um, I've seen people at the Phoenix Theater in um, Petaluma that you're like, wait, how, why are these people playing here? I think um, Lincoln Park played there one time. Hillary Duff played there one time. Like, I mean, it's crazy. I've seen, um, oh, SEED, which stands for Souls Emancipated into Eternal Defiance, which was a very, very hardcore metal screamo kind of music. And it was definitely an interesting experience for sure. Um, who else have you seen? Oh, um, well, at the GMC at some point, I did start getting those discounted uh, concert tickets. And one that stands out, uh, espe- well, two that stand out especially, three that stand out especially, uh, four, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one that I thought of was Bryn Terfel. Okay. And he's like sort of an operatic singer. And uh, for whatever reason, I, I attended wearing my cowboy hat. <laughs> and I think I was the only person in the entire building who had a cowboy hat for an opera performance. And when he sang this really moving version of uh, Home on the Range, he like gave me a shout-out because he saw me in the one of the side booths with my cowboy hat. Um, and I actually picked up a few songs that I do in my senior sets from his cool. performance. Um, I also saw Jason Raz nice. uh, perform in the in the Green Music Center and at that time you know I was very much into his music as well and I you know still I am I um, definitely was a more active fan around 2010ish as I'm sure many were um, I think I'm yours was popular around 2008 2010 somewhere in those years 
Uh, let's see. Also in the Green Music Center, uh, on the lawn, I saw Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, as well as Kevin Spacey perform a lot of cr- classics and standards. And from his, from Kevin Spacey's set, I also picked up more songs uh, that I perform in my senior sets. And one that also just came to mind is Ray LaMontagne, who I saw oh, so in lucky. Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, so lucky. That was definitely a bucket list artist for me to see. And he is he's just as good in person. Oh, which also reminds me that at some point I saw Iron and Wine in concert. So now I think one of the, uh, well, two of, two of the last artists that I would still need to see before I die from that era of music I was listening to would be Nora Jones. And I don't know if he's doing anything with music anymore, but Damien Rice as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had a thought. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking of a couple other ones. Um, I remember... One of the funniest ones I had ever attended because of the circumstances was the uh, Sonoma Fairgrounds held a couple artists the same year. Um, and one of them just so happened to be Third Eye Blind. And when I walked in with two of my friends, I not only ran into my cousin who came with some of her friends, but I ran into my brother who came with some of his friends and my brother was like, what the heck are you doing here? I was like, uh, duh, I'm going to go see third eye blind. And he goes, but this is my music. And I was like, no dude, I'm older than you. This is my music. So it was kind of fun that way. It was a great concert. Oh my God. I had so much fun that same year. I think like two nights later, um, I took one of my coworkers, um, as a going away present for her to go see Florida Georgia line. And that was really cool. Um, my cousin was also there as well, ironically, and she was like in like the second or third row. Um, I remember going hipster wise and dating myself at the same time. I remember being so ecstatic when I found out that my grandmother bought us tickets and us being me and my cousin specifically, but my brother and my aunt as well, tickets to go see the Backstreet Boys in Las Vegas. Like, she was on the phone, like, the second that they went on sale, and she got us, like, fifth row tickets. It was so cool. I was like, what? You didn't do this? And so she's like, yeah, I did it for you and your cousin's birthday. So I was, like, so excited. We got to go see them. And Mandy Moore actually opened for them before she I was actually known. Like, I saw, I heard her perform Candy, and then, like, two or three months later, it became popular on the radio and I was like wait that's that chick (laughs) so that was cool to be able to like have seen her before she became popular and that'll always be a memory I remember at one point they flew in from different angles on harnesses down to the stage so that was really cool Um, I followed a local performer and I say local very loosely because mostly he performed in Sacramento well I guess this this should they And it was really when I was into East Coast swing dancing when I was like 18. And we would drive out to Sacramento once a month to go see Lee Presson and the Nails perform. I was obsessed with them. I loved them so much. Uh, I had like every single album, even the ones I wasn't supposed to have because they changed labels for reasons. <laughs> so I even had those that I wasn't supposed to have. So yeah, I remember so many concerts, which I think is one of the reasons why I think we're so lucky to have line dancing is because there's so many different music 
or sorry, musical genres and performers out there. And a lot of these songs, although we can do them to, you know, like the ones that they originally choreographed, a lot of them you can song switch. And so if you're at a concert, regardless of what it is, if it's in that same, you know, BPM range, you can do the dance. And I think that just makes all these concerts so much more enjoyable for myself. But also like... I'm able to connect to music differently now that I've really delved as deep as I have into line dancing. Okay, you reminded me of seven different things. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, two that I can really quickly mention are other bucket list uh, artists that I want to see, The Killers and Muse. Those are huge bucket list artists for me to see in person because I've heard they put on a, a really good show, like lights and sounds, just overwhelming sensation stuff. Uh, and unfortunately, they actually did perform together. recently, yes, together, together in the area <laughs> at Bottle Rock Napa. And we're here in Sonoma on the other side of the mountain. But I guess you know, we were just going to so many events, line dance events that year. I just couldn't justify going for like uh, an abridged version of both of their sets. That's probably you know a, a lot of the hits. But you know, I would want to see what they do when it's entirely in their hands. So there are those two. Another artist who I missed recently at the Green Music Center, but who I have seen in the past at some county fair, Weird Al, Weird Al Yankovic. And I loved his music um, when I was in about you know fourth, fifth grade. So I think it was around that time that I, I saw him at uh, a county fair. So those are three of them. Oh, local artists, three of them. One, um, my college roommate, Dan Schwer, performed in a band uh, with uh, a friend of his, Mark and I used to know Mark's last name as well. Um, this would have been about 10, 11 years ago. And uh, his group was called Arbalus. He has since stopped with you know the active plane of music that I'm aware of. He lives in the East Bay. And I think he's married. He's, had a, he's got a house. He did the thing that all rockers do you know, when, they, when they settle down and, and put the, the college band behind them. Um, but he had some really good music. And I have both of his EPs and recorded some of the only videos that I'm aware of of him performing on my YouTube channel. So I, I recommend that you check out Arbalus. It, it uh, means trees in Spanish. Um, he had some really cute stuff, some really powerful stuff. And he, I mean, just generally speaking, he had a good voice and he was very skilled on guitar. He did a lot of uh, finger picking. Uh, rhythms that, and, and patterns that I hadn't heard before. Uh, I credit a lot of what inspired me uh, to pick up more in my guitaring to what I learned from just hearing him play down the hall. A lot of the things that I do in my sets when no one's looking are songs that um, that he thought would sound really pretty to do on guitar. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, that sounds really, really nice. Like, what is the song? And then I would learn those. And then when I was starting out with guitar, I would do those. Sometimes it's like a throwback to 10 years ago. I'll, I'll do those. Uh, two other independent local artists. Well, I don't know about independent. I don't know what McKenna Faith is signed to right now. But you mentioned doing, um, like, dancing to any kind of music that, that's played. And two of my favorite performers that I have fond memories of dancing to in this area are Colleen Hauser, that you and I have both danced to at the G Bar, I think, in Grattan Casino, and McKenna Faith. Uh, I've been dancing to her stuff since, I don't even know, um, maybe 2013 to 15, somewhere in there. I remember when she was a karaoke singer, at Kodiak Jacks, and she was like 14 years old. <laughs> and uh, since then, she's she's had the whole support of her family behind her and uh, Joey Myrtle uh, with all her tech stuff. 
Keith Anderson, shout out in Sacramento or Roseville, wherever he is now. He and I have danced to many of her concerts, like the Forestville Youth Park Barbecue, and if she's you know done downtown Santa Rosa. Kevin Ackelman used to we, we used to dance to her stuff as uh, as well. I think he was there for one that we danced to in Healdsburg in the town square. And there's a photo. Some of my best photos of that time were some uh, that were taken of. Uh, the two of us dancing he was in you know something actually comfortable to dance in and i was in like gig clothing <laughs> or something I, I might have just come from student teaching i had a blazer and uh my, my black sport coat and and uh, my black slacks and black sunglasses black hat very johnny cash looking <laughs> and uh and she has so much danceable music that i i've enjoyed dancing to her music uh quite a bit uh so there's one two three four five Six. Oh, great. So now that just leaves number seven. Um, what I would like to do is dance, since I haven't mentioned line dance like at all in all of these concerts, what I would like to do is have an opportunity to go to the UK where they do a lot of dancing to live performing artists like Natalie Thurlow is a, you know, a big current one at the moment. Um, I would like to dance to Ethan Allen and the Cheap Seats if they were to play The Beast um, or the, the actual song being something in the water uh, that is not currently scheduled concretely as far as when we'll do that uh, in the next couple of years, but I'm sure it'll happen because we, we would very much, I'm going to just go ahead and speak for you and say we would very much like to do that um, since they play the, the songs that are meant to go with these line dances. Often we'll just kind of figure out what can be danced to a song but they play line dance music, which I love. And I'd love to see more of that uh, in the States as well. You know, after all of this conversation that we've had, I failed to mention Diablo Road. Diablo Road is a band that performs weekly, if not several times weekly, at Saddle Rack in Fremont. And they are really, really good about doing covers that also have line dances to them. And the lead singer, I know sometimes she'll actually be out on the dance floor dancing with people. Um, Just the last time we were there was for the stagecoach competition. So she invited all the birthday people and the stagecoach uh, competition winners up on stage to dance Men in Black. So that was a lot of fun. Um, And... She does a, they do a really good job of covering most of the songs and impressively keeping to pretty much the same beats per minute and everything as like the original tracks. I know they had uh, synced up to one of the one Taylor Swift music videos. Um, oh, it was Mean? Yeah. Okay, so Taylor Swift's Mean, they synced up and it was interesting because like you would see Taylor Swift singing the lyrics and here she is right in in sync with that so it wasn't awkward or weird or anything like that so that was really cool um and so of course that's directly line dance related for us so that's definitely cool i'm sure there's tons of people out there as well that do the same thing that perform and do covers that they know there's dances too because like you know that's where they perform regularly so i think we're really lucky being in sonoma county um just because we have 
access to so much music out here. We really do. Um, I was actually looking just for curiosity's sake at who's going to be performing at Bottle Rock in Napa, which is about an hour drive, give or take, um, from where we're at. Uh, and we have Imagine Dragons, Neil Young, Mumford and Son, One Republic, um, Pharrell Williams, Gary Clark Jr., which I would love to see. Um, Santana is going to be there this year. So it's a pretty good names. And, you know, like I said, it's like an hour away. So we have San Francisco, which has several different um, venues that people perform at, um, which totally makes me remember that I've seen... Um, Oh, God, the Boxer Rebellion several times in San Francisco, which was really cool when I found out that they were actually a real band because they were um, in a movie with uh, Justin Long and Drew Barrymore called Going the Distance. And it's the band that he ends up like they go to their concert a couple times or whatever. And he's a music producer or he wants to be a music producer and he wants to sign these guys and so like they perform a couple times throughout the movie and when I found out they were a real band I was so excited and that they were coming to San Francisco which is about an hour from us and so I've gone and seen them a couple times I have a couple pictures of with the uh, lead singer I used to have a drumstick unfortunately I don't anymore um as well as just like I mean what I can't even think of how close um some of the other places but there's places in san jose which is like two hours away so we're really in a really good area for music there's a, a place that actually um i don't know if they've changed this but i know that when i was doing a lot of my road tripping and country bar searching in 2015 club rodeo slash rodeo club i think is what it's called in san jose <clears throat> they're only open during concerts and they have a really nice dance floor. They have multiple dance floors. <clears throat> and I think some of the other time that they're open, it's for like Latin night or whatnot. But when they do country, it's just so that they can have some you know major artists come in. I think uh, at one time they had Lauren Elena and another time was Maddie and Tay. Oh, okay. And I've only been there a couple of times and it's hard to know like when they'll be open because you really have to like make a point of checking their calendar. You can't just say, oh, it's a, it's a Thursday night. We can go line dancing there. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I would definitely recommend that venue if you happen to see uh, you know, if, if an artist is coming through because their prices tend to be, I don't know how they get away with this, but like super reasonable, like $15, like normal cover charge to see a big artist yeah. just passing through. I, again, really don't know how they figure that one out, especially in the Bay Area. But uh, that that's uh, that's something I should probably put back on my calendar. Also, in case anybody is out there and wants to hire somebody who plays guitar and knows a couple of line dance songs, <laughs> uh, as long as it's like you know a four chord, not too complicated, crazy song, then uh, yeah, uh, just send a, a message to line dance podcast at gmail dot com. I'm sure we can work out something. Mutually beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Number 161. Oh, what kind of a question is this? I don't know. Where are you not welcome anymore? What? That, well? Well? And again, if we're focusing this on line dance, I can't think of anywhere. 
Oh, okay. Well, there is there is one place where we we had experimented with teaching for a while, and I think our visions just differed from uh, the the established proprietors. And so, we're certainly welcome to dance uh, anytime that we were to go uh, when they're hosting a night. But it will definitely be in their vision that we would be dancing. I was going to say, we're, we're definitely still welcomed. It's just we would prefer to find elsewhere to spend our time dancing, even if it's in a parking lot. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird because I've definitely had some experiences in which... I would question maybe the reception I would get from the majority of folks, like this unsaid, meant pre-forementioned whatever um, place. Uh, the other would be I have really good relations with several members of my old dance team, but the owner slash creator. And I may not be on the same page anymore. So I don't, I would question. And for me personally, I am definitely the type of person which I will just avoid making waves if it's even a potential that I could ruin somebody's dancing experience. So the last thing I would want to do is, is make this unnamed person uncomfortable and, you know, like feel obligated to play nice because we were once teammates and then you know it ruined whatever experience or memory she was creating so I would technically probably avoid it although I have gone and supported them while they were performing um, just to show my support as I definitely still question whether or not I'm helping or hindering so um, other than that I don't I don't know I've never been like kicked out of a place or anything like that and most of the time I think I'm well received the only thing I can think of is um, my present ineligibility for certain competitions because the rules require that you have like an amateur status in teaching at events but even then it's not an unwelcomeness uh, it's just rules really uh, I mean if the rules were changed I'm sure they would welcome if they had like a separate category uh, so that everyone were eligible then yeah then I'm sure that, that that would be a situation in which I would feel very welcome so good quick question to make up for the last one about concerts number 162 what do you think could be done to improve the media oh my goodness first of all big shout out to Reno where Dustin Valcalda has devious I believe it's devious entertainment um, and I think he said that you can spell it either the way it's meant to be spelled D-V-I-O-U-S with no E or you can do D-E-V and it'll direct you to the same place and he has put a lot of focus into um, high quality video production recently as well as um, having help from I think uh, he uses Wix or Squarespace uh, one of those site creators in making his site look top notch very professional and I, I think that overall if I were just to have a shorthand uh, version of what I think could be done to improve the line dance media it's 
higher quality production value, kind of like how Joe did back in the day with her um, her videos, her tutorial videos at bars, at different bars, um, where the audio is very clear and the the uh, action is kept in frame. There isn't a lot of distraction in the back, uh, or there aren't a lot of distractions. Uh, ditto with what uh, Rachel does with Vimeo. She's kept in frame. She zooms in on her feet when necessary. She takes the time needed to break everything down. And oh my goodness, also along with high quality production, just film your bar. Record what's done in the bar and use the best quality camera you have and make line dance look like it's a good time. Stagecoach does a great job with this. And um, In Cahoots in San Diego did as well before they ceased operations i was gonna say shout out to carlton thompson and byron robson robinson robs robs robertson sorry um they definitely have taken it to another level when it comes to video recording and just putting out what line dancing can look like out there and they're they've just definitely stepped it up and it's amazing um one of my biggest inspirations is rebecca lee like some of her earlier line dance videos have just been like amazing with with just people dancing in front of waterfalls and the one where she's dancing with herself and then people dancing at the mall and like she's just she's so good and (sighs) i wish that i had the same kind of ingenuity and expertise and just willing to throw an idea out there the way she is and really just take it to the next level um not i'm really thankful let me let me rephrase that i'm really really thankful because the next shout out that i'm definitely going to make is going to be a little bit awkward but i'm gonna say you honestly and this podcast and interviewing choreographers and event directors and dancers and just people who've made any kind of impact on line dancing alone, like having this as an option. It is media. It is a way of connecting people. I think it was a brilliant idea that you had way back when, when you started it. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of it now and for the last couple years it's just been it's been a lot of fun and it's nice to be able to have a voice and express my love and passion for line dancing among welcomed ears so I'm definitely going to say you Um, one of the things that I think we can all do a little bit more of is using social media in a more positive way Um, I think there's a lot of growth that can happen when it comes to choreography and instruction and recognizing where we came from in our roots and being honorable among that and paying homage to, you know, like way back when in the, you know, 80s and the 90s and this was the biggest dance out there and this is how we had to get dances out there and that's why we have so many variations is because, you know, step sheets were just being introduced or something like that or the step booklets that, you know, take up or used to take up closets full of, you know, like it's just... It's definitely something that we need to remember where we came from, but we need to not hinder 
where we're going either. Yes, we need to be a little bit more responsible than just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. But I think that there's a lot of ways that we as line dancers can put out better content, more meaningful content. And that's with simply, you know, obviously dances and whatnot, but also in just in our daily lives. You know, there's so much hurtful things going on in our life and we're so lucky to be able to wake up and dance as much as we all do um, whether it's one hour a week or for some of us who are more fortunate you know we take one day off a week from dancing um, and I think there's just a lot of stuff that we can do when addressing concerns or figuring out like how do we better prepare the people coming in how do we advertise to new people how do we get young people to be involved in the in the states the way they are across the pond i mean what fred does is amazing i can't i can't get over and the fact that he was they were he were just there was just an article on that was posted on facebook that i haven't had a chance to like look into that says that it's more than a dance class you know, and I mean, Shane works with a lot of, uh, of young people too. And I mean, I'm sure there's hundreds of people out there that I'm forgetting to men- mention at the, t- at this time. Um, like what, what we can learn from each other is so huge and we really have to support our up and comers. And one of the big things I know that when we were first learning a lot of different things is, we didn't know any better. So we asked the questions and we got a lot of really, really good information. But that's because we had amazing people with lots of wisdom at our fingertips, at a phone, a phone call away, at, you know, at all these events that we were obsessively going to once a month, you know, kind of thing. And we definitely were curious and not necessarily wanted to do it the right way. But we wanted to not have to make as many mistakes as someone who didn't have access to this kind of knowledge. And we have to remember that some people don't necessarily have the access or don't know that they have the access. So we need to approach them in a more compassionate way. And the biggest thing we need to remember, too, is we don't know their story. You know, even if we ask them questions and they come up with answers, their story is different than ours. So what holds true for you doesn't necessarily hold true for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I think that's where our biggest growth for social media is, is just showing that we can be compassionate human beings. And that is why line dance is as strong as it is. This is going to be long, and I'm going to hope that you can fill in any blanks that I miss here. But I guess the shorthand version of what I'm about to list are sites, pages, lists. I've already forgotten the fourth one. Anyway, we'll say magazines. I'll start with magazines. All right. Uh, I like that Living Line Dance still exists. I believe they're based out of the... um, I think it's livinglinedance.de, so I think it's Germany. They do fewer issues, but they put a lot of quality 
into what they publish. And they still have a print version of their magazine doing profiles on people. Line Dancer, in its heyday, uh, had a very popular magazine as well. Uh, back in you know the before times when country dance lines was a thing, uh, people had vast collections of those, and we still need to go through the archives that were um, lent slash given to us by Michael and Michelle. Michael Barr and Michelle Burton. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely want to express my appreciation for those who take the time to put together line dance magazines or magazine-style um, print media. Uh, also, that includes Love to Line, Love to Line with a number two and the, the word L-U-V for love. And I think I, I may be mistaken, so I don't want to like give anyone the wrong website or anything, but I think that uh, one of the other radio stations in the line dance world has some kind of online publication. Uh, so I, I don't know the exact information on that, but it's worth checking out. Uh, also, Line Dancer still has its PDF archives available online on Line Dancer web. So that transitions me into sites. Um, Line Dancer in general uh, has created this like massive you know, empire, if you want to call it, of media with video interviews. They have online dancer interviews uh, on YouTube. And they have, as I mentioned, all of their older issues from when they were doing the magazine. They have the site where you can upload step sheets and check out the charts, transitioning me into the other sites that you can check out for step sheets and charts. There's kickit.to, and they have a a list function where you can add dances you know and your uh, favorites and what you've taught. Uh, I would definitely recommend checking that out. Peter does a great job there. And it's it's so easy to support the site, too. If you want to make a financial contribution, you can do it on PayPal. You can send a check. I think there's even a cash option. So uh, take a look at kickit.to. He's been around for decades now. Um, Copperknob, of course, that's the one everyone knows about. Copperknob.co.uk. That's one of the first things that comes up when you search for any line dance step sheet. Uh, so that's so far we've got line dancer, kick it, and uh, copper knob as sort of the veterans. And then the new kids on the block, we've got everything line dance.com. Uh, I think line dancing world is the uh, is another one. That one's, uh, I think, from Dwight Meason. And this one I really don't know how much uh, uh, I know about as far as the inner workings, but Vine Wright has been shared quite a bit on um, Facebook lately. I, I think that they may base some of their charts on the Copper Knob charts because I've noticed many similarities, but they also have additional features that aren't on other step sheet sites. So Vine Wright would be another one to check out. As I mentioned, uh, Devious Entertainment has a lot of Reno-based resources from uh, from Dustin Valcalde, which is where the DV comes from in Devious. D-V-S. Clever. I like that. I like clever stuff like that. Um, so if you're ever going to the Reno area and you want to know what's being danced there, he links step sheets and sometimes uh, video lessons, I think, or like video tutorials, video demos... Which is also something that is done at Line Dancing. I want to say LineDancing.net if you're going to SoCal, Southern California. Carrie Kick, I believe, works on the Southern California uh, database of information. Um, 
so that you can see what's danced in the Southern California area. She puts step, she- step sheets and videos up for there. All right, so I believe that covers sites. You have a thought. Howdoesitstart.com is Luann Schemmel's website. Thank you. All right, so we've got sites and magazines. Oh, playlists. Please share your playlists. We would love to see what is being danced in different areas. Uh, If it's just a picture of the request list, even, and you can see what's crossed out in a sort of, you know... Legible? uh, Well, I was going to say in in a process of elimination kind of a way, you can see what was played and what was not. Because if it's crossed out, it was probably played. If you actually list out, if you write out all of the dances or you type out all of the dances that were played, you can send them to World Line Dance Newsletter, which is a great resource that uh, Stacy Garcia and Carol Craven run. And you can also send your playlists, if you're a DJ, to DJ Growler, John Growler, uh, and he puts that together into a list that he, he makes available publicly. Uh, even if you just are like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type this out and just put it on my own Facebook page. Everyone else can find it on their own. That's still helpful. <laughs> just tag people like John Growler. It's two, there are two R's in Growler. Um, and he will do the work of putting the, the choreographer and whatnot. It's, it's helpful if you put it yourself. That way you know which dance it was that was done. Um, but also just doing these little things makes us as dancers more aware what what is that dance that we do to that is it called what i think it's called is it by who i think it's by um and then you know you can share more accurate information with people in your own area so yes playlists um request lists make those available that adds to line dance media overall uh, Facebook pages, that was one of the ones that I think I did not mention. Country Soul. So you mentioned Byron Roberson, and or he's also known uh, to some as BJ, because I believe James is the J in that. And Country Soul has, was it, oh, Junior, yeah, Byron R- Roberson Jr., perhaps, might be his name. Um, he has, I think, over 10,000 followers on Country Soul. I don't know how a line dance page got that popular, but... Props to him. Yeah, he always has interesting content that people enjoy seeing and uh, resharing. And one of the things I love about the comment sections of some of his videos uh, is the tagging of friends that will often be followed by, Hey, so-and-so, you'd love this. Or look at that guy. Why can't we get guys like that at our bar? to you know, dance two-step or whatever. And then word of mouth happens. Spreading of knowledge about line dance bars and linking of videos happens. Uh, so yeah, put the best quality um, you can into the resources available to you and show that you care as much as you do about your particular aspect of line dance that you care a lot about, whether it's choreography or teaching or maybe event hosting, social hosting, or just dancing. And even if it's just your phone camera, you know, hold the, hold the camera straight. Uh, stand where you'll get the most light. Do what you can, and it all makes a difference. It all adds. A uh, huge shout-out also to Jessie Chan for all of the videos that she has made available of demos and partial teaches 
and Jody Harmon for her recording of late night snippets to give us all a taste of what is danced out there at events. And uh, it looks like you... Oh, yes. That was another one of the, the ones that I was going to mention. But since you signed it to me, uh, I will I will hand it over to you for you to say more about. Oh, I was, I'll let you go into to major detail. But I was going to acknowledge um, both the Kellys from Se- Seven Arrow Media. One who... She takes amazing photos. Like, the best quality photos I've seen in a long time at each event that she's hired at and then she goes and posts them for well let me rephrase that she goes and edits them so that they look the best they can with the lighting and everything and then she posts them available for people to see and purchase on her uh, Kelly Christine website and then you have Kelly who is just definitely taking it to the next level when it comes to exposing people to line dance with his live streaming of events and he has like all these fun toys and gadgets and rotating cameras and he has a drone that he's I think he's just been recently experimenting with and some type of uh, 360 and like he's just definitely he's on the edge and he's figuring it out pretty quickly on how to be the one that brings all of this amazing technology at our fingertips to the line dancing world. Uh, so huge shout out there. Uh, one of the things I kind of wanted to mention on Facebook before I forget, and I'll let, give the mic back to you, um, has to do with even just as simple as posting the teaches. Like, I love that I get these updates from Carrie Kick down in SoCal and John Hume down in SoCal and Dustin up in Reno that, like, what the schedule looks like. Even if it's just like, oh, tonight I'm teaching versus like, oh, for the next month, here's the list. Like, all of it is just fun information. And especially me as an instructor who's in between the two locales or locations, like, it allows me to think about, like, is that a dance that I could see crossing over in my area? Is that one that I think my people would enjoy? Um, I've had the privilege of going to uh, Stoney's in Sacramento twice this week and covering for the primary lead dance instructor, Cat Painter. And I was able to teach a couple dances that um, one was from Kelly, Honky Tonk Highway. One was Groovy Love. So we all know that one, or at least we all should know that one. Hint, hint. Um, and then I got, I was, she was nice enough to offer to let me teach my dance, my Uber driver. And as well as uh, one from a choreographer named Danielle Shrell. Pardon me for mispronouncing your last name. Um called country gold which we learned in cambria so at that dance event and it was a lot of fun and it's just fun to think of like okay well then i'm there for the night so i'm watching some of the dances and i go oh that's one i think my people would like i'm gonna bring that to my people so the crossover is really important because it does happen and i like being informed of knowing what people are doing um I'm trying to think of, of who it is that, that always posts about like the classics that they've been teaching on the East Coast. And I can't, I'm drawing a blank right now, but like I love knowing that the classics are still being retaught. I know that Betsy Courant has a regular workshop where she brings classics back. That's definitely one of them. Um, 
yeah, as soon as you said Betsy, I was like, that's it. Um, you know, and it's like, I love knowing what's going on elsewhere in line dance. And then it allow, like I said, it allows me to think, hmm, since that was just brought to my attention, maybe that'll be a good fit for my people. And, you know, sometimes maybe it isn't, but it's still fun to know what people are learning elsewhere. You also reminded me that uh, Rachel likes to bring back classics in addition to offering floor splits. So if all you feel like you have to offer is, well, I don't know the names of all these, but I think we do electric slide to this song. Tell, tell the world your song switches and your floor split options, because even those are helpful uh, in giving us more options. Maybe, you know, uh, bringing a classic back to a contemporary song for which there is not currently a dance. Uh, also, I want... Psycho. Oh, was that? As it said, Psycho. Yes, we in this area we've do we've been lately doing Guyton Mundy and Jill Babinek's Psycho to the song uh, "Sweet But Psycho" by Ava Max, which is very popular on the radio right now. Uh, also, with what your particular gifts may be, there's a, I don't even it's like an activist slogan or something, but there's a saying: "If not you, then who?" Like if if no one is going to pick up that litter, it's just going to sit there. So um, think about. If if no if you look around and no one is recording this demo, maybe that could be you. If no one is telling people on Facebook that there is a line dance night every Friday in your area, and you think, well, I mean, I know where it is, I know what time it is, I know what time the teaches are. I guess I'll just post about it. That could be huge. That could be reshared by other people in your area, and then maybe they will have more of a turnout. Uh, so definitely think, uh, if not you, then who? Like You could do the filming. You could do the writing of dances. Um, it, it, even if it's just a little thing that you feel like you're doing, it can make a big difference. Uh, there was another thought that I had had. Uh, oh, yes. Also, consider whenever you see something interesting, who can I share this with? Because, I mean, social media, it's all about sharing. And this is a question about media. Uh, so one thing that can be done to improve the media is more sharing of anything that you think is cool. So when you think something is really uh, impressive or amuses you in some way, you can you can let that be the end of it and just be like, all right, well, I enjoyed that. Now I'm going to do, go do my laundry. Or you can look at that and think, ah, you know who would really like this? So-and-so. Or I think everyone needs to see this. I'll click share. And maybe you reach two people, but what if one of those two people happens to run a Facebook page with over 10,000 followers <laughs> and their post of the same thing gets reshared a hundred times? You never know. So doing your small part just by resharing, not even creating new content by like writing out a list, that can still help circulate more great content in the media also a thought um, that I, I want to voice is sometimes you are in the photo. Sometimes you are in the video. Always assume, especially if you're in an event, you're in the background of something. So if you smile, that can make that video or photo more compelling for others who happen to see it on their feed when someone else reshares that photo or video. And seeing your smile while you're enjoying and playing with that dance can make that video or photo more resharable and make that event something that somebody can't miss next year because they saw you have a great time. 
perfect case in point, just this last weekend, I was in the background sitting of several photos of Wine Country Line Dance. And fortunately for me, I was definitely having a good day and I was enjoying where I was at. So I'm smiling at all of them. But that's just the idea of definitely can anywhere you're at, think about the fact that you could be in the background of someone's photo. And the last thing you want to be doing is making a sour poos face. The next one, there, there is a question on the, um, the list that is shorter, um, so that one should be easy to get through in our last few minutes, uh, but I also definitely want to give a huge shout out to Line Dancer Radio itself. There's so much great programming on this radio station where we are currently, I mean, if you're tuning in right now uh, to this episode, uh, this is, this is a, a station on which we present every week. Um, they really make the most of their line dancer resources. And I, I think there is at least one show where they go through old issues of the magazine and play music based on what was popular then in the issue. So it's kind of a tie-in, both print and radio working together. Also, uh, I think I, I didn't mention it, uh, but I want to also give... A lot of kudos to those who do the media production for the Crystal Boot Awards and the uh, and World Dance Masters. They do uh, at least at one of those two events. They do live streams of what's happening there, and they take it super professionally. Like if a non-line dancer saw this, they would think that they were watching like you know the Grammys, the Emmys, if it's you know the Crystal Boot Awards or some major competition like the the US Open for tennis or something like that like a real legitimate sporting event based on how much care they put into those events in the UK. So I uh, yeah, definitely want to to mention those. Oh, good call. Definitely. Okie dokie. So one last question in our final 2 minutes. What is the most recent show you've binge-watched? Oh dear God! I'm currently binge watching um, Blind Spot, but prior to that was um, The Runaways, and prior to that was something else. I don't know. I'm a Netflix junkie at night, so there's that. <laughs> uh, mine is going to be kind of cheating because I I previously have watched The Office, just chunking it at a time, uh, and I probably should have done the the proper form of binge watching with Game of Thrones but lately what I've been doing is just watching clips on YouTube and then clicking every recommendation after that and then opening multiple tabs when there are a bunch of recommendations I want to watch and then by by the time I've you know hopped around to everything I've pretty much watched the whole series <laughs> so I would say off the office and uh, and Game of Thrones have been a couple of my more recent ones. And I'm taking a little easier and, and pacing myself on this one because it was so brief, so fleeting. But Firefly, oh, I, I bought the season on uh, Google Play and I'm, I'm just trying not to get to the end too soon. I love Firefly. Joss Whedon, my hero, hands down. Also, oh gosh, now this isn't like a movie or TV show, but I definitely in the last few months binge watched um, pitch meetings on Screen Rant. Uh, thank you, Elliot Marr, for recommending that uh, channel. There was there was a span of maybe two days when I watched nearly a hundred of these videos because uh, there were there were fewer than hundred at that time, and I highly recommend them. Uh, pitch meetings on the YouTube channel for Screen Rant. It's hosted by Ryan George. Every video is like five or six minutes. 
Yeah, um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm definitely a Netflix and Hulu junkie. So that is what I do when I'm not dancing and I'm not working. <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, for Line Dance Podcast and Line Dancer Radio, this has been Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. We thank you again so much for tuning in. Until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance floor. floor.